Hello. <laughs> what the actual clitoris? That might have been one of the best episode interviews we've done. Oh my god, I love Dr. Yes, Kaufman. I'm he was How did we become friends with this magical public figure? Yeah. I, I don't know, but I was just asking you guys after the interview, I was like, what did you guys do to him to make him (laughs) come on our show and be so excited? He's legitimately, you want to know what it was? He's legitimately one of the most authentic people I've ever met. Yeah. Yeah. And literally, I feel like, I don't even know. Kenneth was like, hey, I have a friend who really was in LA. He's amazing. And I think you guys would really connect, reach out to him. And so I was like, of course, I'll do whatever Kenneth says. (laughs) So I like- Yes. And such a crush on that man. Anyways, back to Dr. Scott. I was, I literally just was there for, I was like, Hey, yeah. What do you like to do? And then we invited him to a, a black light body paint and he dance came. party with our community. <laughs> he came, made friends with our partners, our friends, literally soul fam. Everyone loved this man. Everyone knew who he was. That was our friend. That was important. By the end of the night, we were like, okay, we need to know this person. And so really, what did he do to all of us? He charmed all of well, us. <laughs> he charmed me. It was my first time meeting him. And he like stopped in the interview to be like, Katie, what do you think? You s-? And he said something like psycho- psychological about me and he got me to talk more. Yep. He's just he so psyched sweet. You. <laughs> I know. He I was he like, you're essentially dumb you. I know. I was like. But he Katie, did. I'm so interested in you. Tell me about you. He sensually dommed you. Did he sensual dom me? Totally. I don't know. I think the clitorati, you're going to have to figure that one out. What yeah, does that okay, mean? Well, All right. You're going to you're gonna have to explore that. Clitorati, listen to the app. <laughs> she likes it. She's, I, liked it. I think we got to have him back. I think we got to have him back I want to see Katie sensually dommed yeah. again. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I want to know that it's happening so I can identify it. Amazing. Now I can. Yeah. And we covered, we covered so much ground. Enjoy the episode. (laughs) (laughs) Happy Tuesday, Clitorati and pleasure seekers (laughs) all over the world. Today, we have one of the 50 groundbreaking scientists who are changing the way we see the world. He is the founder and director of the Center for Human Potential, author and editor of 10 books, and he has the number one psychology podcast, which you can hear Madison on. It's called The Psychology Podcast. He teaches and keynote speaks all over the world, not to mention that he taught a course on gratitude with Oprah. I was researching him. Oh my God, who's this person? He is interested in using his research and self-actualization coaching to help all kinds of minds live a creative, fulfilling, and self-actualized life. And he explores this in his new book called Transcend. And I'm so honored to have you on our show. Please welcome Dr. Scott Barry Kaufman. Wow. Yes, King. Yes, King. Thank you. This is quite the honor for me to be on this podcast and I hope I can add value to your audience of today. Of course. I have a question right off the bat. Self-actualization and sex. Where do they overlap? Yeah. How is your sexuality a part of your full potential? Yeah, I'm really glad you asked that because I've been thinking of the idea of what does a self-actualized sexuality look like? What is What would that mean? I mean, I don't think it's entirely different from what self-actualization looks like in general. When we're self-actualized, we feel fully alive. We feel as though we feel a great sense of wholeness and integration of our being. And we feel that there's a great synergy between our inner world and our outer world. 
And applying that to the sexual domain, I think, makes complete sense. Transcendent sex is something I'm very interested in as well. Who's not? I don't get a chance to talk about (laughs) Who's not interested in that? This is not the topic I get a chance to talk about that much. So this is, I really appreciate the opportunity. I I briefly touched on it in my book, Transcend. I have a section on transcendent sex, but it's very, very short, the section. But yeah, the idea of self-actualization and really being a bridge to transcendence, right? So self-actualization isn't the goal. You want to eventually not focus so much on yourself, right? Mm. You want to eventually, like, I, I feel like some of the best sexual experiences are those where you are not so obsessively focused on yourself and your own pleasure mm. and making sure that you're performing correctly and that you are thinking it, thinking it through step by step. But that's not, those don't tend to be the most <laughs> pleasurable experiences. So, yes, for me, self-actualizing sex is one where you're really bringing your whole self to the table in a way that is transcending yourself. Yeah, amazing. And can you tell us a little bit, just so our we know who you are and we're so excited to have you here. Can you tell our listeners just a little bit about your background and how you became interested in psychology and how you came to have the top, one of the top psychology podcasts in the world? <laughs> <laughs> I, as a young kid, uh, where do we want to start? Where do we want to start with this story? But, where you lost, when you uh, lost your old... no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that wasn't my childhood. But to answer the question about how I became a psychologist and all that, long story short, when I was a kid, I had some learning difficulties and they didn't know what in the world to do with me. Really, I think I just suffered from being creative. <laughs> and imaginative mm. and kids who are creative and imaginative don't really get rewarded in an education system that rewards conformity. I relate to that one. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah. And I had some hearing difficulties when I was very young, which I outgrew, but I think that they didn't know what to do with me. And I think they, a lot of people thought I was stupid. And, and I just remember just looking around because they put me in special education when I was like really young. And I remember looking around at all the other kids and my friends and just being like, no, I think they have more potential than anyone's given them credit for. And I feel like I became the champion of potential even when I was young. The seeds of what I do today really are were planted at a very young age. I eventually fought my way out of special ed and ended up graduating with good grades in high school and and didn't get accepted into the psychology program that I wanted to get accepted to. I wrote a whole personal statement how I thought that we needed to redefine the standard metrics of potential and go beyond SAT scores. And they said, basically, good story, bro, but uh, your SAT scores aren't high enough to redefine potential. Wow. <laughs> so we don't, won't let you into the... I was like, that's ironic. I just went as an opera singer. So I was a professional opera singer for a little bit as I was plotting my way into psychology. And then I eventually switched my major to psychology. Yeah. I haven't looked back since. And I've been a professor at NYU, University of Pennsylvania, Yale, Columbia, most recently Columbia. When I was at Penn eight years ago, nine years ago, oh my God, nine, geez, time flies. <laughs> so nuts. fast. It's nuts. I, I decided to just start a, back in 2014, podcasting, it wasn't as big as it is right now. And, and I could easily just create the I call it, let me call it the psychology podcast. Like, that is what I'm it's like, called. Like not, <laughs> yeah, there's not that many other psychology podcasts in 2014. Right. So I was like, you know what? And let's see, I don't even know what I'm doing. But I'm just going to put a microphone on people, on, on my fellow nerds. I started off with my colleagues at Penn, like Adam Grant and Angela Duckworth. <gasps> and 
they're all just right around. <laughs> oh, she was, I mean, she was my, uh, her office was next door oh to mine. Oh my God, I'm like, a, uh, I love so, her. She's amazing. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. She is. Yeah, no, she's wonderful. She was a dear friend of mine. And I was like, can I just put a microphone on you and we talk about, and uh, so I just started off doing that just not thinking anything. I wasn't like in it for the money and fame. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, but, but yeah, I think you steadily do something over you do it enough over a long period of time people got to notice eventually that's my philosophy i've never been the kind of overnight success kind of guy but i think when you start accumulating numbers people are like okay he accumulated the numbers he did it <laughs> yeah yeah that's amazing <laughs> you can't deny that <laughs> i know you can't, you can't argue with numbers and facts right that's a little yeah, hard <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah, oh, that's amazing. Yeah. What an incredible journey. And as I'm sitting here and I'm listening to your story and I'm still thinking about that self-actualization, right? And I would say the yes. three of us, some might call it our transformational journey. And I know for me, I've done, I've read Angela's books. I've done conferences. I've done, yeah. I've done, listened to, listen to podcasts. I've done all the things. And for us personally, the thing that was missing from our self-actualization was the deep, root of our sexuality and overcoming trauma and really Mm. standing in exactly what we are for me I'm a really kinky person and really I didn't know that (laughs) really (laughs) I didn't know (laughs) and I didn't know until this well and owning all the aspects of who we are I think as humans right like Sexual, sexuality is such a base core principle of who we are, yet it is so taboo in our culture. And I'd like to know from like a psychological standpoint, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's really cool that our worlds have collided here because that's definitely an area of my life that I personally haven't owned in public because it's not, hasn't, it's not relevant to mm-hmm. what I do it's very relevant to what you all do. So you could talk about it all day long, but it, there's be something jarring of giving a talk to educators about the importance of changing the education system. And then be like, by the way, I'm a dumb, <laughs> a, a, prof- a, prof- a professional dumb. But like, I mean, why not? Why is something. it like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe there are certain boundaries that are meant to be like at a school. You, yeah, at maybe, a school? Maybe. I don't know. If that's, yeah. <laughs> I don't tell all my students that podcast. Right. Right <laughs> But I do think that I could use to to own that more in other contexts and uh, certain podcasts and things. I always ask my guests the questions, right? I don't, right? even in the one we did, I didn't really talk too much about my own personal sex mm-hmm. life. The one I did was sugar. <laughs> so no, I, my, my thoughts on what you're saying is uh, hell yes. Like my, I'm nodding in my head. It, uh, I was nodding internally when you were talking. And I think that there's a lot of shame. I think I have a lot of thoughts about this from a male perspective. Yeah, I'd love to hear them. Because I am yeah. male. So I think about it a lot from the male perspective and mm. I've been wanting to write an article and the headline, no one likes the headline that I want to use because it's too controversial. Ooh, what, is it? But <laughs> what is it? In the, I'll say the title, of it, but before it becomes triggering, I'll explain what my point okay. is. <laughs> so I was thinking of writing a title, In Defense of Male Domination. <laughs> It's the way you say it, though, it's like, okay, I want to hear about this. It's innocent. It's like, innocent. Okay. All right. Um, I can't, I can't. It's you know what? Let's do this, Scott. Let's talk about male domination right now. <laughs> <laughs> is this the direction we're going off into? Yes, yeah, this is, is where we're going. <laughs> you drink oh this my water. Gosh. <laughs> 
Let me, actually, let me drink this instead. <laughs> the contents of the article, I was contemplating. My, my therapist has been, incur- I have a very kink positive therapist mm. and she's been encouraging me to write this article and come out. And I've never, never come out as kinky before ever. <laughs> but I was thinking, I've been writing, so I've been working on this article for five years. Wow. <laughs> but, oh my gosh. Wow. But basically what the point I want to make, which I, you, you all can tell me if you think this is a valid point yeah. or not. I'm open to feedback always. Is that from what I've learned in the kink community is that I think there are a lot of males who have certain urges, but they have a very unhealthy integration of their urges. Mm. They think being dominant means hitting a woman or like she, she doesn't even want to be hit and you hit a woman or like using names that are that there's something like they have a certain image in their head of what that means. And what I've learned is that like true doms are those that are have such a high level of emotional intelligence, mm. are so incredible at intuiting the needs of the person and making the person feel safe and making the person feel as though they want to surrender. And the article would basically be a way of saying all this talk about toxic masculinity. I don't think the problem are the, a lot of the urges that men do tend to have. And I think a lot of them have shame for it but it's teaching healthy integration of it and through a lens of consent and mutual enjoyment. Because I've noticed that so many women I've been with love that shit. Yeah. <laughs> like, like I think there's a secret. There's like a secret. There's like a secret men don't know. Consent. <laughs> that's, yeah. like, <laughs> that's one, one yeah. thing. But also there's a great, I feel like there's a great secret out there that there's this narrative that like, Women don't want sex. Men are the ones who want sex. All these kind of really crazy ideas that I think I think a lot of women are becoming a lot more empowered these days to express their sexuality. But I actually think men and women want the same things a lot more than the narrative that's in general or in public. Yeah. We've never really talked about this stuff before. So th- again, thanks for the opportunity. And I'm wondering how all this is landing with you all. Yeah, yeah, no, it's so great. It's all the way back to like purity culture and like early Christian theology, I think. And then it fast forward to now and it's we're just still not given any language or education about sex and how to communicate about sex and how to learn about what we like and don't like. There's no pleasure education <laughs> in our no. Sex education. Like most of the sex educators aren't even certified. It's normally like a gym coach or like the mom who is comfortable saying the word penis and they <laughs> give condom. the sex ed class. <laughs> condom. I think that it is just so ingrained in our history that we're really just starting to unravel it, I think, in the last five years and talk about it more. And it's really, we have a long ways to go. And I think that's why this show has been so important to us is talking about sex and men and women being able to talk or all genders being able to talk about it and not have it be weird or creepy so that it can be actually like a safe conversation. Yes. I was talking to a dear friend of mine today, a female friend. And I know for the longest time, she's like trying to find the one, et cetera, et cetera. I want to find my true love. And so I asked her, I was like, catch me up. How you doing? She's like, you know what? I've been I've been uh, trying out uh, being a slut lately. <laughs> and uh, she's like, I'm loving it. And I was like, highly, re- wow. highly recommend 10 out of 10. Would recommend to a friend. <laughs> and I was like, wow, you go, girl. I have never, that was just so out of character for me. Mm-hmm. But like, like she felt safe enough to say that to me and like to admit, but she said it almost shyly. But she's like, you know what? I've been like, I don't feel 
And I've been, I'm entering, I think I'm entering like a slutty exploration phase and I'm loving it. And she's, I realize I've been putting my, too much pressure on myself to find the one and all this. Right. And so I was like, yes, queen. Yes. I love that I met for my you. fiance who yeah. you met, Scott, in my slutty oh, phase. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was like, I well, don't want a relationship. <laughs> Yeah. It, like going back to the your article mail about male domination. Yeah, yeah. I think this is great. Like redefining a little bit of what male domination can look like because yeah. I think That's the right. impact on our culture in terms of sexuality and relationships goes back to agriculturalism when suddenly we became property owners and men like owned women and monogamy was institutionalized. Men owned property and and wives. And women greatly lost their voice, their power in society during that time. And I think that the men of today, there's just some programming from the past where men are still sometimes operating that they own women or they're Mm. entitled to a woman. And it got brought up on a fellow, a colleague podcast of ours the other day. I was just seeing, I saw a clip of theirs talking about how all people should pay at sex parties because the second you have a woman not paying mm. for a sex party and the men are paying, the men show up entitled to have oh. sex that I paid for something. So I'm in a so interesting. Oh, I didn't even. Think and I wanted about to bring that. this up because they don't charge. I, the I women? actually recently had an ad. Sometimes they'll say it depends. A lot little, of times they'll be like, a couple will pay or men will pay, but single women can come in oh. for free. I've, I've seen it all different ways. Okay. And this is going to this shows something really interesting about what you were talking about with consent. Cons- the word consent is a newer word. And it's so mm-hmm. interesting to me when words get created. It's like they get created because mm-hmm. there was like a breakdown. <laughs> yeah. We needed to name this something, this violation of boundaries. Mm-hmm. And I think that a lot of this is, com- is, I do see this in not just with men though. And this is why I wanted to like bring it back to, I do see that this is, something that everyone to a degree does when there isn't self-actualization. When there isn't self-actualization, there's a lack of awareness, a lack of consciousness in action. And so of course, someone's violating someone's consent, someone's boundaries. They're not self-actualized in the first place. So they're going to these parties, not self-actualized. And now interacting from that place So I feel really strongly about showing up in sexual environments and especially as a poly, as a polyamorous person here and being in the play scene, that there be like a call to have a certain standard (laughs) amongst the community to, to adult to that degree. But I think having sex with adults in a, in an environment like a play party is a very adult thing to do and Mm. do your work before going because otherwise you could really impact the environment. I agree. I didn't, I started off with cuddle parties in San Diego. That was my introduction into, that was my gateway drug to. (laughs) Cuddle party. I love that. We won't say what I do, but, uh, but uh, yeah, so that was my beginning. And, and what I really liked, I learned a lot because there was a whole like 20 minute preamble before everyone started where you, they like explicitly, but not, this is good for someone who's a little bit on the autism spectrum. Basically, if someone's not interested if you're not interested, you say, thank you, I'm complete. And it's like, that's like code for I'm good, <laughs> go away. <laughs> but, uh, but it's so polite. And, but, and, but they also ha- have you practice 
getting rejected, like and just being able to how to take that graciously. You meant, and I think it's really important. You mentioned entitlement earlier, sugar, and I think that is a big problem in our society. And I think that a lot of people feel entitled. To, yeah, entitled. They get angry if someone rejects mm. you. And I've, I think that happens the other way around. I, I get because I'm a public figure, I got all these Instagram DMs from women, <laughs> to honestly. And and if I'm like, thank you, I'm good. Some of them get mad. Oh. And it's not interesting. I think, yes. I think, I think entitlement is a cross-gender <laughs> phenomenon. Yeah, I, I went to a party yeah. and they addressed this exact thing in such a beautiful way. And I'm, I'm going to be paraphrasing. So it was a lot of times at parties like this, or just in life, if someone turns you down, there's a no thank you. And then that's the end of it. So at this party, this was a bit more of a spiritual sex party, play party. And they Mm. encouraged an extra step, which was allow yourself to be with your feelings and express how that feels for you and have the person who rejected you acknowledge your feelings. Wow. And I was like, wow, I've never heard it like done that way. It's okay be with the rejection a little bit and have it be the breakthrough. Okay, so I'm feeling a little bit of tension in my chest and I'm just feeling a little sad or angry and have the person be like, okay, I acknowledge your feelings. Thank you for sharing. And what would it be like if we could have that container in the normie world? That's so mature. That is so mature. (laughs) So mature. That's like next level. The like super unconscious in me is hates that so much. And she's well, no, she would literally be just saying that all night at the party. <laughs> the unconscious sugar. slut that lives with I think that's the title of your next book, sugar. The unconscious, the unconscious slut. unconscious slut. Well, and I, I yes. have I have the title for your article, Scott. I feel like you could follow your yeah. article okay. How Men Can Have Everything They Ever Wanted in bed. <laughs> Yes, how men and women yeah. can have everything they ever yeah. wanted. I find I, I've been like really curious to really psychologically and scientifically and in, in a nerdy way understand what is hot about hot sex. Mm. I want to really break yeah. that down and understand it and analyze it. And I have analyzed it and I think I figured it out. <laughs> okay, tell us yeah. what is hot, tell hot sex. Tell us scientifically. <laughs> now, obviously, this is not for hot. You know, it, there, there, there are things at the margins. There, there are some who like, you know, like really extraordinarily extreme stuff. And but I think for most people, hotness tends to be energy flow. The energy of flow is hot, is what is hot, mm. and and that's like a variable that transcends each individual. It's the energy flow is where both people are in the flow state, and and I've studied the flow state in terms of other forms of creativity. So I, it's a shame that it's not studied more in this domain of sex, where you lose sense of time, you lose sense of self criticalness. But you also, <laughs> Sugar's mouth is open. I actually know, I but, know, um, Rin, I've met Rin yeah. before the, from Flo. I, we should have them on the podcast. Oh, yeah, he's yeah, a good buddy should, of mine. I just, as you're saying oh. this, I'm like, why have we not had them on the podcast? I've yeah. been to parties with that you guy. You should have yeah. them on. Yes, yes. And not only, but there's, but passion is so interesting because I think that's a key variable with hot sex is passion, but it's not, but it's a kind of attunement attunement where both are like totally without asking like oh is this okay now if i <laughs> do this is it okay so I, there i think consent can, you can go too far with yeah. with the obsession for me too and all that where it's like where both partners are scared to do anything without yeah. ver- verbal yeah. consent. unconscious consent is hot you, is consent can be an yeah. eye yeah. gaze it yes, doesn't have to be I'm can i now Lick your areola. Like, that's not hot. Yeah, correct. Because there's a certain level of consent that can then be a turnoff. 
So yes. where it's like you're over. Yeah. Scott, I want to go yeah. back to something you said. You talked about passion. I want to know from a psychological yes. standpoint, what cultivates passion in your opinion? Like sexual yeah. passion. Or, or, we, yeah, we, yeah se- that, like sexual or romantic passion that or that on a psychology level, like what is, like how can you cultivate yeah. that chemistry well, or even let's say you've been in yes. a long-term relationship, how to revive yes. that chemistry and passion. This really does relate to, to, to a discussion of BDSM and why I think that society would be better, much better off if everyone was trained in BDSM. <laughs> I'm serious about this. Because I read that you learn, you learn sane consensual. It's like the rules, there are rules we should all be learning in the sexual domain, no matter what you're into. But for me, okay, do I want to out myself? It, my, my brand is I'm a sensual dom. So what that means is I'm not a sadist. I don't actually enjoy, and that's fine if you are, by the way, this is not, I'm, not, I'm nope. just saying what that's I am, not in a way pain. where I'm. Nope. No pain. Okay. Cool. Amazing. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Maybe we're back. <laughs> but, no, but, but, but essential Dom, what I mean by that is that I think that, and this relates to passion. I think that what I love is a certain sense of, there's a certain sense of a fight that is passionate and it's not, I'm not talking about violence. I'm talking about a push and pull, a sort of biting, a, a little bit of a, no, get away from me. And a cer- there's a certain kind of like energy exchange that is really mm-hmm. hot when a dom and a sub are being really sensual with each other. I feel like if anyone's going to understand what I'm saying, it's you three. But how can we say that and for that not to be controversial? Because I feel like you three get it. You three totally get what I'm saying. But I feel like we have this, we have just have these no like for instance like a lot of fantasies are not politically correct. My my friend Justin Lay Miller has was on my podcast talking about that. We have to recognize a lot of what is hot is actually not politically correct, but it's like being able to have a free safe space of not political correctness that's mutually agreed upon, and that's mm-hmm. what's hot. But I don't think people are really having really truly open honest conversations about. I mean, that. yeah, I don't. I agree. I. Well, definitely we have most I would say almost all my fantasies are not politically correct but but I agree and I yeah that checks yeah. out <laughs> right <laughs> I would I I was giving a talk to the critical psychology students and the prof- I couldn't believe the professor went there I couldn't believe it but the professor we're talking about Freud and I was like do you like Freud what do you think about Freud he's like he had some things right if you look at porn a lot these days everyone's talking about daddies I was like, oh my God, did he just go? <laughs> in the classroom? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm serious. I was just guest lecturing wow. in this classroom. He just went there. Yeah. And I was like, okay, but he's not wrong. There is something. And, and it's like that, for anyone who listens to the podcast knows that's like my number one fantasy. And I didn't even know when we started this that there was a whole subgenre of DD. I don't even know what the acronyms are again. It's, what is it, Madison? DDLG. I just learned about this recently, but it took so long to. So psychologically, it took years for us to be able to talk mm. about it this freely. Yeah, yeah. And, and to, it takes work to work through, like we said, that the shame or the embarrassment or, and like still to this day, I probably don't want my grandmother to know about all my fantasies or my students <laughs> where, like you said, there should be a safe space. And I think that I would love for that safe space to be a little wider in our culture than it is now. And that's, I think. Even a lot wider. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Even a lot wider. But it sounds like we're all on a very similar page about this. And you see what I'm saying about sexual passion, what that looks like, what that tends to look like. Yeah. 
another topic that we that comes up a lot, obviously intimacy, but inside of that empathy mm-hmm. and compassion. Yes. <laughs> inside yes. of our all of our relationships, we talk a lot about partnerships and sexual or romantic relationships. How do we, from a psychological standpoint, really cultivate these qualities in ourselves and I would assume that you think that these qualities are important. Like, why are these so important for a thriving Mm. sexual camaraderie to thrive? (laughs) There's a difference between empathy and compassion. Empathy, we we can really effectively feel what someone else is feeling. Compassion, we don't even have to feel what they're feeling, but if we see harm, we try to reduce the harm. And passion is a little more higher level cognitive. Sometimes people can feel empathy for things and be wrong about what they're feeling about the other person. I've actually studied something called dark empaths. Ooh. I'm writing about that in a new What's book that? I'm working on, <laughs> which are these, they're these kind of like self-help gurus who think they know, they're like, I'm an empath. I'm an empath. And mm-hmm. I know what's best for everyone. Um, and there's, but, there's, but it's really emp- empathy combined with narcissism. That sounds um, dangerous. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And also psychopathy sometimes, which sounds like a paradox. How can you have psycho- psychopathy and empathy? But you can. There are people who, who <laughs> do combine these things in interesting ways. I think there's a dark side to empathy. I think a passion ultimately is better than empathy, mm. where you actually really care about the real felt needs of others. And also with empathy, you can burn out. There are a lot of em- empaths, quote empaths, people who do automatically always feel what other people are feeling and that can cause exhaustion. So it's not always a beneficial thing. So that's my general outline. Did you want to talk about that specifically within the sex domain? Well, I actually, or? you briefly mentioned it here and I know that you met my fiance. You, you mentioned you're on the spectrum. Mm. And this is, I'm in a neurodivergent relationship, whereas I'm neurotypical-ish. <laughs> and my <laughs> I would argue that kink, I would argue maybe, that kinkiness belongs. Maybe I'm not. Okay, okay. Let's spread. say that we're a neurodivergent couple. He's on the autism spectrum, and mm-hmm. I would love to know that this is something I want to talk more about on the podcast: autism and sexuality. And he always says he has a hard time cultivating empathy being on the spectrum. And I didn't know your thoughts on that and like how that relates to sexuality. Well, what he means, I don't want to say exactly what he means because I don't know exactly what he means, but usually what you find in people with on the autism spectrum is they have their affective empathy is intact, but their cognitive empathy is impaired. So they tend to have a lot of trouble interpreting what they're feeling. Mm. They can often feel what someone else is feeling but not really understand it. Like they get confused a lot. Also very confused about facial expressions and what the facial expressions mean. And there's something called the reading the eyes, reading the mind in the eyes test that people on the spectrum tend to not do as well mm. on, which is just being able to see a whole bunch of facial expressions and accurately identify what the emotion associated oh, with it yeah. is. And I think it can be very confusing as well for people on the autism spectrum, humans can be confusing to people on the autism spectrum because humans are very contradictory. I know that I experience this a lot. P- people confuse me so much. Do you ever encounter someone where their body language and what you feel like they're feeling is totally incongruent with what they're presenting to you? It drives me nuts. <laughs> I never even thought about <laughs> it, to be honest. <laughs> drives me. They're, they're like, there's just, there are people that are like, they're performing. Mm. They're saying what you, they, you, you think they want you to hear. And I just find 
bakery really frustrating. Yeah, yeah. yeah Brian says a lot of the same thing. I, and as someone, or someone was about to say my something though. Hello. Oh, hmm? I, I was just gonna. I was just oh. gonna ask. Do you have in navigating your own healthy sexual journey? Do you have any hmm. advice or insight for people oh. navigating their sex life on the spectrum? Wow, you're my gateway drug <laughs> into the sex podcasting world. This is amazing. <laughs> I don't think I've ever. I don't think I've ever been on a sex podcast. Oh no, that's oh. not true. That's not We're true. We're not your first, Scott. <laughs> oh, there was a. You, for all intents and purposes, you're okay. my first because that was traumatic. Oh, oh that God. Was traumatic. Okay, that's, I'm sorry. Oh, <laughs> not full on traumatic, but. Oh boy, oh you that was interesting. That was when I was in grad oh. school. I was invited on this show. But I'll tell you about okay. that later. We'll talk I'll about that off air. <laughs> but, uh, but no, but wow, you're this is amazing. I don't I just can't think of the last time that I was on a podcast someone asked my opinion. You're literally asking my opinion on something relating to sex. It's, wow. Like <laughs> I'm honored that you would care about my thoughts on this. Well, yeah. <laughs> Okay, your actual question was, sorry, what was your so, actual question? I was taken away. It's okay. My, my question was, as someone who is navigating the world of psychology and your own sexual journey, and I just know, because I know mm. you a little personally, that you're doing it in a pretty profound way right now. Do you have any insight for mm. either someone on the spectrum or someone supporting someone on the spectrum as they navigate that journey or in intimate experiences, things that you've learned that really work wow. well? Yeah, I would say go to kink munches because munches? just meet people in the kink okay. community. Yeah, like meetups. Oh, okay, okay. Meetups, they're called munches. Yeah, like, <laughs> I've never heard that before. Yeah, <laughs> they're yeah, called, like that. that's what they're called. Okay. Yeah, like you, like you will feel like you found your community because everyone is really super into rules. And Take like, me to a munch. You know, let's do this, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> every new partner I have is let's share our, our explicit link list of kinks. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. you know exactly what is a hell yes for a person. Oh, that's hot. Which is amazing. Yes. Yeah. It, the vanilla world, I'm so over it. <laughs> so, I'm so over it. Well, it's like you have to wait till the 50th date to know what someone's into. It's what is that about? Yeah. Let, let's talk about our <laughs> fantasies two years in. Yeah. Let's talk about it on day one. I don't understand the whole mindset. Oh, At least I just third I, date. I have to do this. I know I, this conversation is so good, but I'm just like need to chime in here. I when I, I went to yes. Lightning in a Bottle Music Festival a couple yes. weeks ago with Lindsay, and I went to acro yoga, and I was doing acro yoga with this very handsome Jewish young. She man. got a puppy, and he go by the oh. end of it. He's hey, do you want to hang? I was like, and I have a spiel, Scott, because I'm yeah. I'm married, and yes. so I literally give him my spiel. I was like, so I'm sensing there's there's vibes. I'm feeling the vibes from your end. I'm sensing them from my end. So I just wanted to let you know that I'm married and I'm polyamorous. And if you want to come on my roller coaster, you're welcome to hop on. If you want to get off the ride at any point, you're welcome to get off the ride. You also don't have to ride the ride. <laughs> What would you like? He's like, I want to come on your roller coaster. Let's see where this goes. So I feel like uh, who I am for people is a permission slip out of the vanilla world, but they don't know if they wanted it in the first place, but they're like, now it's in their face. Oh, you're the gateway drug. (laughs) Such a gateway drug. (laughs) That's the theme of this episode. You should title this episode. Title it, I don't know, the gateway. The gateway drug. But no. Just the gateway. Just the gateway. The gateway. (laughs) Thanks for sharing that, Sugar. Thank you for sharing that story. Always like to hear about 
the seducing <laughs> Jewish men. Uh, I know. <laughs> favorite topic of mine. I know. Don't look at me. I don't look at me right now. And hey, there's no, nothing wrong with vanilla people um, either. I think I'm pretty vanilla overall, that's but right. to that's each right. their own. <laughs> I think that we should I, all be would, able to talk about everything I, and accept anything from anyone. It all goes back to like healthy communication. I would. I think what's. I'm gonna correct me if I'm wrong, Scott. But I think what you're talking about when you say vanilla is really like the cultural and societal norms around uh, around sex and sexuality and and how that impacts our sense of self and what can we do to reshape those norms. Like you having the conversations you have with Ethan around your desires is not vanilla, Katie. Vanilla is, I think, people who don't talk about it, who aren't prioritizing their pleasure, who are not even aware of what their desires are. And just do they they go through the motions. To me, that's vanilla. If you're having deep conversations, look, most of the time when I have sex with Ryan, my favorite position is missionary. But I don't think that we have a vanilla sexual relationship because we're mm. having the conversations. Yeah, I by vanilla, I actually just meant like any of the standard dating apps. The like the standard dating apps, I think that there's such a there's such a toxic culture there of everyone's ghosting everyone's just like the standard way of conduct i just feel like you learn in some certain communities that like there that's not really mature that's not really a mature way of dealing with each other do you think from a psychological standpoint that dating apps have been a huge detriment to dating culture yes. yeah I for do. sure i do what do you like what do we what do people do i have so many friends that are just in that like ghosting <laughs> And then I learned a new term, zombieing. So like somebody ghosts you, they go away, right? And then they come back yeah. six months later. So they rise from the dead and they're like, what's up? And like, where the fuck have you been yeah, for six yeah. months? Like, yeah, babe, you got yeah, zombie. Yeah. That, I love that. I love that. Who invented that? The sugar invented No, I saw it on, in, I saw <laughs> it on Instagram. It was like a meme. I'm <laughs> fucking honored that you thought that I invented that. I will say my ex-boyfriend from high school, if you're listening to this, what's up? Just, he zombied me recently, but we are having lunch <laughs> on a Sunday, this Saturday. So he, the zo- Wait, I'm going you're on into lunch the zombies, date with a zombie. Huh? Wait, your high school boyfriend? <laughs> My life was sweet or hard. Oh my gosh, I want to do so a whole he, episode But here's that. the thing. He explained why he ghosted <laughs> me. He said that we went to lunch and then he ended up, this girl he was dating, ended up becoming his girlfriend a couple weeks later. So while we were texting about going on a second lunch hang, he got this girlfriend and then she was really controlling and he's, I couldn't even talk to her about anything, let alone you. But he could have just told you, hey, I'm in a relationship now. Yeah, he did. He told me six Yeah, that's <laughs> okay, so Scott, I want to know from you. You have this incredible. I have questions for you. Oh, you have... Okay, I'm going to ask you a question, then you, you can go. ask us some oh, questions. Oh, I like you it. Flip the script. I want to know you said you had a section in your book about sex. Was there anything that you wish you had put in that section? Oh, yes. I think I was trying to be too politically correct mm. In, mm. In, in it. I was talking about whole of. I have, a, I, have a, I have a concept uh, I call it whole of. And I also think I was being a little too idealistic about, about what does it mean to perfect union. It was a very romantic section. But I don't think all great sexual experiences have to be infused with love. Yeah. 
And I think that's a, an awakening I had. Mm. It sounds like all three if you agree with that. Some you know, great sexual experiences you know, are fueled in, by anger. <laughs> yes. That, I think that's the, I think there's a truth there that yeah. is just, it just doesn't sound as politically correct when you say that. Because everyone's always intimacy. But uh, like some of my most, I like, I actually sometimes prefer intensity. Is that the same thing as intimacy? I don't, not always, no. not always. I don't think uh, so. And so I think there's some nuance there that I, mm. someday I might write a book on self-actualizing sex. Yeah, Ooh, that would be interesting. Let's be a, we, okay. So you have questions for us. I want to know what your questions for us are. Yeah, no, what do you want to ask? No, us? I, as soon as I said that, I realized you thought I meant I had specific. Oh. I just more meant I want to hear from Katie more. I want to hear Katie. What are your thoughts about? I feel like you're listening to a lot of this conversation, mm-hmm. and you're very contemplative of a person. What are some of your thoughts about? Like, what do you even mean by you think you're more vanilla? Like, what does vanilla mean to you? I, I would like Good to question. know. Question. The definition of vanilla sex is sex that involves no twists or kinks, but no S and M. So basically regular sex. So that's like the actual definition of vanilla sex. So it's not necessarily that it's a bad relationship and you're having bad sex. It's just. Oh, of course. Yeah. Probably very boring to the three of you. But I will say (laughs) that kinkiness is, I think everybody's a little bit kinky. If you did some sort of test and you find, I think everyone's a little bit kinky. (laughs) And there Mm. is like people who are like into BDSM. And people who are prefer vanilla, monogamous, heteronormative life. That is, that's my choice. But I love to hear about all the other stuff. And I'm actually getting my sex educator certification to learn about all of it. Because I just think it's so fascinating. I've definitely nerded out on on sex. But I'm a mom of two. I've been married in a monogamous Mm. relationship for 15 years. And I'm... I was a 32-year-old woman who had never masturbated before and had zero sex education. I'm also a registered nurse. So I've had a lot of... I had a very different journey on this show of really starting to express agency over my body in a way that I didn't know that I didn't know I wasn't doing. And to ask, set boundaries. And I really felt... And I always thought of myself as a very sexual person, like liberated person, but really I had all this starting these more profound, deeper, probably self-actualizing types of conversations. I really learned so much and realized so much about my life and the choices that I had made in my intimate life and what that looked like in my current state of my life. And I really turned it around, I think, in these last seven years, I was really afraid to be a, become a mother. Like I wasn't going to have kids and now you can't tear me away from them. And yes. I do agree with you that BDSM would be great education for everyone across the board. As far as I'm really passionate about adult sex education because I just didn't get it and I'm an adult now. And I've just really appreciated being able to have these open conversations and to be able to talk about anything. But there, I, there's this quote that I found when you guys yeah. were talking of, from Stefanos and Shay is that kink is about equality of expectation. So oh, wow. when we oh, see, that. Isn't wait, that great? That <laughs> yes, kink, my mind just, wait, that's amazing. That's yeah, amazing. it's, yes, it's Stefanos is, and yeah. Shay. So kink is about equality of expectation. 
So we see people engaging in something that has been negotiated, agreed to, and enthusiastically consented to. If everybody has that equality of expectation around their dynamic, then their dynamic is actually a pretty healthy thing. Because I feel like sex and BDSM and what I mentioned about purity culture earlier is so not allowed. And it's considered very unhealthy. And like, it leaves you to not trust your body or trust, (laughs) which leads to you not trusting your voice and not speaking when it comes Mm. to these intimate situations. So I think that having BDSM where your bondage and discipline is the BD, that's rules, restrictions, protocols, and then there's a bunch of other fun stuff. So I think that it would be, (laughs) I totally agree with that. I don't know. What else do you want to know about me? (laughs) (laughs) No, that's good. That's good. And I absolutely love that definition. Yeah, so good, right? Yeah. Wow, Katie. I love like this like mom energy since you've been back from maternity leave and we've been back in the studio. You do contemplate. You'd be like listening there. Like I can tell you're a mother of two now. Yeah. And then you'd just be coming in like with the amount of jaw drops, wows, mic drops in the last couple of minutes was just, I just commend you right now. Yes. Mm -hmm. There's some people like Katie who are much more efficient in, they don't speak as much, but they are more efficient when they do speak. And mm. uh, so, yes, so interesting. Yeah. Well, I'm, and I'm definitely interested in looking into your twice exceptional children because from oh, your TED Talk, wow. I really, I yeah. watched the first, I, didn't, I haven't finished it yet, but it's really resonated with me so much. And I'm really impressed with all the work that you're doing with children because I think that... I think that beyond the podcast, that is something that I will eventually be doing is doing sex education for kids and for adults. And so that they can have these types of conversations and you're really helping these twice exceptional children in a completely different way. But I was really inspired by the work that you're doing. Yeah. Thank you. I'm trying Mm -hmm. to redefine gifted education. Special education completely. I'm giving a keynote next month at a big gifted conference. And wow. I'm trying to argue the whole field stop the phrase gifted children and think of them as humans with gifts is a very different way wow. of thinking about it. Human Ooh. first, not gift first. But, um, yeah. yeah, I'm trying to like oh, wow. change the paradigm, change the paradigm. It's not easy. I'm very passionate, talking about passion, I'm very passionate about that topic. I find I find that I could talk all day about that. I've you all have got me very gently into the pool of talking about sex, but I um and now I'm hooked. Now I want to be on more sex podcast. Yeah, we could just have you on for a psych. We could just have a psych sex series and have you psych back sex. on like at regular. Yeah, we can come back. Anyway. I would love that. You lady, oh. I have one more question for him. Maybe. But did you ladies have any more questions for Scott? Just a big juicy acknowledgement. Love your heart, brother. You're such a, you are soul fam. When Kenneth Play, our colleague and mutual friend, connected us and we met, and then Lindsay met you that weekend, there was such a sense of familial bonding and finding another family member. And I call that soul fam. We call that soul fam. I call it like a friendship crush. You meet someone, you're like, I want to be friends with this person. (laughs) That's so beautiful. Yeah. That's beautiful. But thank I love you. That. Just yeah. thank you. It's just been such a pleasure to like to be uh, come into each other's lives. So grateful to, that we are in each other's lives. I'm so gr- grateful for the magic we'll continue to create together. And just thank you for your humility and your power and your love. Wow. Thank you, sugar. Wow. 
That was powerful. That was powerful. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. So and I so have received. Received. Oh. Question, Katie. I love that you received it. That we you train did. people how I've been working to receive. On that. It is something <laughs> yeah. to work on. I know. I've been working. It's on that. harder than you realize. And maybe ten years ago, I <laughs> would have really said like, oh. yeah. One thing I don't know if you guys have done this since you guys have all hung out, but if, has he ever done the jukebox game no. that we play, Lindsay? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> studied you're really into Do theater it. i read about and and then you mentioned that you were an opera singer at the top of this podcast so i was like yeah. maybe you'd like this game you don't make me sing <laughs> we're basically this is great katie we pick a song and we pick a dirty topic or not, not dirty topic but like a sexual topic and then she improvs a song. I'm, so right. in my other life, I'm She's a, a professional singer. <laughs> wow, that's so cool. Oh, he uh, doesn't I didn't know that. that. I didn't know no, that. No, I think I know, he I did, did know that. I did yeah, know yeah. that. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. But I think he might have been, do you want to be the jukebox guy? Or do you want me to do it? Oh, wait, so what are the rules of <laughs> so this? So they now? basically... They <laughs> you have to improv a song. Lindsay, we should have you demo right. it, and then let Scott choose I if hate, he would I like hate. to also then right, be in the I'll demo it, and then if you want to try it, Scott, it's fine. I okay. haven't done this in a while, but okay. All right. All right. Scott, do you want to pick a song for her to do? Or do you want well, to pick you don't, a topic? It doesn't even have to be a song. It can just be a topic and like a style of music. You could do opera, jazz, pop, R&B. No. That's not how no, we play the game. That is how I usually play the game. You guys have bastardized it. <laughs> okay. Scott, um, pick a topic for her. Sexual actualization. Oh, my God. Okay. Amazing. Right, sexual actual R&B. R&B? Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I, right, I, right. I need a little flow. Like, Tell me a little bit about sexual actualized. Yeah, little Barry White over here. <laughs> yeah. Okay, we're going to talk about some sexual actualization today. Like a little sexual actualization where I'm bringing my whole self into the bedroom. <laughs> that's it. That's I all don't I got. think I could do any better than that. That was perfect. I've n- <laughs> We've never had a guest like come in and do that. That's amazing. You, I love that. Did I play? Did, was, did I follow the yes, rules? Yes, you were perfect. You did. You did. Thank you for playing you with us. You did. <laughs> they usually oh make gosh. me do it. I'm so glad you did it. That was perfect. <laughs> I was no, going to get... I saw that you didn't really want to do it, so I wanted to save Thank you. you. <laughs> that was nice. I was going to do it, though. I was going to do it. Yeah, you're very... She always resists perce- doing it, perception. and then she, like... Well, it's just always a shock. She wasn't a hell yes. She was not a hell yes. I was not a hell yes. You're right. She was was going to do it. Let's be honest. (laughs) I'm always just like in interview mode. And they're like, make up a song. And I'm like, okay. Anyways, Lindsay, I'm going to, I'm going to be that, I'm going to be that, that, that friend. And I'm going to be like, same topic. (laughs) (laughs) And we're going to show him how we do it. All right. They're forcing me to do it. This is shit. They're not forcing it's a, me. Do you want to pick a song? It's a kink. You like it. No, I was going to give her Hello by Adele. No. I, see, that's where I like to just make up the melody. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. Sorry. All right. Fine. Hello by Adele. <laughs> oh my God, you guys. All right. All right. <laughs> all right. Hello. How are you? Are you self-actualizing and rising to your full potential? Hey, Scott, 
What do you think? Are the three of us thriving and our self-actualizing? <laughs> oh, that's all I got. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, are we doing a duet? Yeah, we um, can do a duet. Um, okay, so, Scott, thank you so much for coming on and just... You are so present and so in tuned and just so Thank willing you. for someone of your credentials to come on stature. and yeah, your stature, stature and fame and credentials and to just <laughs> to, to like come legitimately. On <laughs> legitimately to come on and just be so vulnerable with and really just have an honest open conversation about something that may be a little bit outside of the wheelhouse. We just so appreciate yeah. your vulnerability. And, and we ask well, all of our guests this, and I'm so excited to hear mm. your answers. Our organization, We Are Pleasure Positive Living. We mm. really do believe that pleasure is access to peace on earth. And mm. I want to know when you hear pleasure positive living or your pleasure positive life, what does that mean to you? What is your relationship to pleasure? Mm. And how do you see yourself living a pleasure positive <clears throat> life? I'm giving a talk next week for the Mayo Clinic, the entire, the whole Mayo Clinic, like 4,000 people are going to come to this talk. And the title of the talk, you ready for this? Yeah. I think this really relates to exactly what you asked me. It's called The Joy of Self-Actualization. And I feel like pleasure, positive living really is finding the joy in being. And Mm. that's really how I would conceptualize it. And that can also not only include all the good things that happen in your life, but finding meaning in the crap that happens in your life as well. But just just being just so happy you're alive. Actually, can I share a quote by a physicist? Please. Yes. <laughs> so fucking nerdy. I love it. Okay, this is, okay. This is, do you have you heard of Norbert Wiener? Yes. One of the, okay. So he said, we're not fighting for a definitive victory in the indefinite future. It is the greatest possible victory to be, to continue to be, and to have been. No defeat can deprive us of the success of having existed for some moment of time in a universe that seems indifferent to us. The declaration of our own nature and the attempt to build an enclave of organization in the face of nature's overwhelming tendency to to disorder is an in insolence against the gods and the iron necessity that they impose. Here lies tragedy, but here lies glory too. Wow. So that's my answer to your question. Yeah. (laughs) That's it. What else is there? Yeah. Then just yeah. being. It's beautiful <laughs> that we're all existing right now is actually quite the defiance against a, an indifferent universe. Yeah. We're all little. And there's a joy to yeah. it. We're all little miracles and specks of dust existing in the universe yeah. at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Amazing. Scott. Oh, what a great thank interview. You thank you. So much. This is incredible. You. you are welcome back anytime. Yeah. Anytime you want to come on a sex podcast, thank we you. are a yes. <laughs> And we, and if you really do, we, is that a hell hell yes. yes. And if, is this something you really want to do? We can connect you to some other friends. We have some great friends that have amazing sex podcasts as well. No, I'm like, I'm like hooked now. (laughs) (laughs) I want to change my whole podcast now. (laughs) It is liberating. Yeah. Amazing. It's beautiful. I want to, I also want to thank you all for what you're doing and putting into the world. It's really important. I think when people's sexual shame gets eroded, they, they feel a sense of freedom they never have felt before. And so you're really providing freedom to people. So. Thank you. Thank you so much. Keep it up. So, Keep it up. We can talk for hours. <laughs> but we'll we, 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 so we let you go. Thank you so much. And Clitorati, okay. we you. hope you enjoyed this episode. Oh, Scott, sorry. 
how can people get in touch with you? Your Instagram, your website. I'm sure people are wanting to know how to listen to your podcast. yeah, the Psychology Podcast is the name of my podcast, scottbarrycoffman.com, the center for you and potential.com as well. If you want to leave me a personal message, you can slide into my Instagram DMs. But be nice. <laughs> and yeah, that's that that's it. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. And we will have all of the links to keep in touch with Scott in our show notes. Great. And with that photography, we will see you next Tuesday. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.